RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy. We've got a loaded episode today. Three interviews on tap. We'll start off by talking to one half of the 145 title fight going down next week at Valor 75. So we're going to talk to Garrett Sharp as he gets ready to face Andrew Sturdivant in a rematch for Sturdivant's 145 championship. Then we're going to talk to both sides of the main event which will be for the Valor heavyweight strap vacated by James Garmany, the two undefeated knockout artists, CJ Baker and the black cowboy, Julian Goins. They'll both join us in separate interviews as they get ready to main event next week at the Joe. And uh, of course, uh, from there, we will be joined by Vince Ferrara, uh, our play-by-play analyst at Valor Fights, as well as radio personality in Knoxville. He's going to talk, uh, join us to talk about the UFC 254 and recap that as it went down this past weekend in, from uh, Fight Island. And of course, joining me as well, I've got my co-host, Justin Watson, on board. Justin, what's going on this week? How you doing, my man? Uh, not too much, man. Just coming off of a... Uh... Nice, nice weekend of fights here. We've got a a less uh less shiny event this weekend. Yeah, I mean it was going to be uh, probably a letdown no matter what, but uh, and it's Halloween, so you know we we roll with the punches. Uh, before we get into all that though, let's get into our interview portion of the show, and our first interview of the week will be Garrett Sharp. Let's get him on the line. All right, our first guest on the line here this evening is Garrett Sharp, rising prospect in the featherweight division as he's getting ready to go for the featherweight championship in a rematch coming up here next week at VFC 75 from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. Garrett, how's it going, my man? Doing great, man. How, how about yourself? I'm doing good. It's great to have you back on here. We've had you on here a couple of times before. Uh, of course, last time out, you were uh, you were facing Andrew Havener, and I think we spoke to you about that. Uh, I think we spoke to you ahead of that fight. Uh, let's, uh, but we haven't talked to you since. That was uh, in September, so it hasn't been too long. It's been just about six, seven weeks ago, uh, and you got, um, I guess, what would technically be a, uh, a TKO as a Havener unable to answer the bell in between rounds one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ended up having a hand injury, I believe there you guys were having a great ass fight up until that point really good first round talk a little bit about that fight before we get ready to go into this next one um yeah so obviously it's not the way uh i was wanting that to end um we we really did have a good first round it was back and forth um and andrew was kind of the guy who uh you know he's been around for a while and he was a good guy that uh i was looking forward to test myself against um, like you guys were talking about on, um, I think the Valor Hour, you know, mm. he'd be like one of those guys I'd see earlier in my pro career, you know, have about 10 fights or so. Um, and yeah, I mean, after the first round, he, uh, apparently had broken his hand. Um, so that was a little disappointing, but, uh, happy to get a, a pretty quick turnaround against, uh, Andrew Sturdivant, who, like you said, we have fought before. 
Now, of course, um, Andrew Sturdivant, the uh, the current uh, Valor champion, uh, he's a guy that's been around here for a few years. You guys crossed paths mm-hmm. uh, way back in February of last year, so it's been about a year and a half. That is your one loss as you come into this fight five and one. He's four and four, uh, not mm-hmm. not the best record, but I'll say you know Sturdivant's been in there with really tough guys. He's he's a guy that's oh, alternated wins back and forth. He's got that weird mm-hmm. back and forth pattern. He's never won two in a row. He's never lost two in a row. He's looking to break that streak. We spoke to him a little bit last week. Uh, very respectful of you. He knows that you're going to be a tough uh, opponent. You guys are both uh, very similar when it comes to just like your trajectory at this point. You're both 22 years old. You've both been at it for a few years, both getting ready to turn pro. Uh, talk a little bit about this matchup, man. I know you guys have both progressed a lot uh, just in the past uh, 16 months or so, 18 months mm-hmm. since the first time that you guys met. Um, yeah, I got a lot of respect for him too. Um, I think you, uh, you're, you hit it on the nose, how we're kind of similar and, um, kind of similar styles. And like you said, we're both, we're both young guys who are, you know, trying to make a name for ourselves. Um, I really like this matchup, uh, running it back because obviously it's, it's been my one loss in MMA. Um, it's not like I've lost sleep over it or anything, right. but it'll be, it'll be a, a, a good time to try to run it back. What do you think um, about uh, as far what 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 has changed since the first time uh, with you uh, especially? Oh man, I mean, like you said, it's been about a year and a half, and I feel like in that time period, obviously, so much can change in that. Um, I mean, I'm a believer in like we're never staying the same. Like we're we're in a constant change, whether it be positively or negatively. And I've just I feel like I've changed uh just drastically since then um not only do i feel like i'm a different fighter but i feel like i'm a slightly different person not in a bad way but just i mean so so much has changed on my journey of martial arts um i gotta make the necessary changes to um to continue on this path man there's a lot of sacrifices that that goes into being a fighter um and yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've improved in all aspects of the game. My striking, my my grappling. I mean, everything is just coming on, and I I really feel like I'm about ready to make the pro jump. And you know, sure. Servant's one of the guys who who will be a, a good last test for me, I believe. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. You know, there was talk about going pro uh, with the Havener fight, and you got the win there, but not exactly how you mm-hmm. how you wanted it. You know, you wanted that war, you yeah. wanted that that good test. So uh, I feel like Sturdivant's another good uh, person, you know, to, to, yeah, to kind of see where you're at with it. Uh, you know, he's coming mm-hmm. off a win over one of your teammates, uh, Ninja Nick Wiggly. That happened back uh, about, um, I guess that was about a week or two after your last fight. So your turnaround time is fairly similar uh, from both mm-hmm. of these. You know, uh, you trained with Ninja. Uh, Nick is one of your top training partners. He had any insight for you on this? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, me and Nick kind of faced the same outcome with Sturdivant, you know, the rear naked and everything. But um, I've, I've watched the past several of uh, Andrew's fights. So I'm going to try to, you know, use some knowledge I've picked up going against him. But, you know, at the end of the day, I still think amateur careers are kind of about getting experience sure. in the cage time and, uh, kind of just seeing what exactly I like to do myself as a fighter. And I think I have um, kind of come come to terms with what I like to do and what works for me. But obviously, I'm still learning and growing and trying to figure out these things. But 
I really like what your coaches have done with you here over the past year and a half, too, because you've not had any easy ones. You've had really tough guys mm-hmm. uh, in front of you, which is what you want. I mean, because ultimately you, you have plans to go pro with this. Uh, your amateur mm-hmm. record is honestly inconsequential. But the the, the tests that you put yourself through uh, in that amateur career, in my opinion, are, are what really matters. When you run into opposition as a professional, you're going to know kind of how to handle it uh, versus oh, being able to beat up a bunch of bums as an amateur. So I definitely like yeah. what you're doing here. Um, you know, uh, talk about the training for this. What's it been like as, uh, as the COVID situation stayed uh, kind of at bay with you guys where you've been able to train as normal. I know I've, I've seen pictures of you on social media. It looks like you're in uh, yeah. real good shape coming into this. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Training's pretty much back to normal. I mean, COVID can't hold everything forever, man. Much as it, much as it wants to, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're pretty much back to the full grind. Um, strength and conditioning's on point. Um, we've really kind of turned up our training at KMA. Um, we've we've been getting after it, so I, I feel feel like I'm in really good shape. Um, I'm I'm in a good mental place right now. Like I'm I'm prepared for battle in there. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm feeling really good and confident going into this. So, you know, you've got several teammates on this card. And it seems like last time we spoke, we talked about this too, you know, uh, having mm-hmm. that, that gaggle of teammates, uh, a big gang coming into a, a card is always nice because, you know, the gym atmosphere is good. Everybody's kind of peeking together. Talk a little bit about some of your other teammates that are on this card that we can look forward to seeing. I know we got another Seagoat fight on here as well. It's another one of your Oh, yeah, the Seagoat, my yeah. man. Um, yeah, man, we got we got a lot of people. You know how many KMA people Jackson have Donovan. Jackson Donovan too. Well, uh, I've got I've yeah, actually Parker got it right Wadman. here in front of Parker Wadman. Yeah, we've also got Ray Hewitt yeah. on there going for the Ray title. Ray for the twenty five pound bell. Yeah, man, we got we got a lot of good fights, man. I'd say anyone from our gym, uh, you need to keep an eye out on because we've all been working really hard, um, and we're just excited to let our hard work kind of show in the cage. Because I mean, you you can work so so many hours that no one really gets to see, and that small bit of time you have in the cage is kind of a way we get to express ourselves as martial artists. Yeah, of course, not to uh, forget Nick Wigley himself uh, back on this card as well. Mm-hmm. It's gonna yep. be uh, it's gonna be a fun night for sure. Before I let you go, man, I want to let you get some shout outs where they are due. Any uh, friends, family, uh, training partners, sponsors you want to shout out? I'll let you do that, and then uh, finish this off by letting us know uh, where we can catch on social media. All right. Well, uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank God for giving me this opportunity and platform um i'd like to thank my coaches and training partners at knoxville martial arts academy i mean it's been so life-changing since i've been there um i want to thank just my friends and family for the continuous support um social media wise i honestly don't post a ton even though i should probably get on the train before too long um i believe my instagram handle is garrett sharp one and facebook is just garrett sharp but I'll, I'll, I'll post more in the future. I'll, I'll give you all my promise. <laughs> all right. We appreciate the time, my man. Once again, this yes, has sir, been Garrett it. Sharp. He's getting ready to go for that 145 strap next weekend in the co-main event at Valor 75 at the World Famous Cotton and Joe. You can get tickets yes, at FighterTicks with an X.com. Make sure you select Garrett's name from the drop down so he gets some credit there. Uh, if you can't be there live, you can catch it at the BFCMMA.com website on pay-per-view. Thanks so much for the time, Garrett. We will see you next yes, week. Sir, on I appreciate it, my man. All, All right. right. Let's take it. Our next guest tonight on the Valor Hour is rising heavyweight prospect, undefeated, 
CJ Baker in the house as he's getting ready to headline next week's Valor 75 card for the heavyweight strap. How's it going, CJ? How's it going, boss? Hey, man, I'm good. I appreciate you taking some time to join us. I know this is probably your last uh, hard push this week with uh, the training for next week's fight. Uh, of course, uh, this being your first time on the Valor Hour, before we get to talking about this fight, I would like to give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself to our listening audience, those that haven't had a chance to see a fight in person yet. Uh, just talk a little bit about your background, how you got into MMA, and uh, kind of your story up till now. Yeah, um, I'm CJ Baker, you know, 4 0 knockout artist. Um, pretty new to the whole MMA game, honestly. I'm a wrestler by trade. I just recently actually signed with a, with Blaylock's IMB kickboxing, you know, to tighten some things up. But in all honesty, man, I'm just a, just, just a, just a down home country badass, and I just like to get in there and bang, man. Hey, if, you, if anybody's seen any of CJ's fights, if you haven't, I suggest you check it out. This guy, uh, he doesn't give you a lot to a lot of time to check him out though, because all four of your fights, man, have ended by knockout in the first round. Uh, you know, you fight in the heavyweight division, uh, as you said, you don't get, uh, you're not in there uh, to 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 clock in for for too long. You're in there to to get it done, and uh, you've gotten all your your wins by knockout in the first round. Um, you know, the last one being back uh, not too long ago, back in uh, back in September at Camp Jordan, uh, you you knocked out Josh Denham, uh, and that was after knocking out his teammate. Taylor Burton. So since we've come back from this COVID situation, you've been pretty busy. You know, you made your debut almost two years ago. Had a, had about a year where you weren't uh, weren't competing too much, but now you're back with a vengeance and uh, you know knocking guys out. It's it's awesome to watch. You know, you're uh, you, you're going to be going for the title though uh, in this next one. It's going to be next week at uh, the Cotton Eye Joe. It's your first main event. It's your first title fight. Uh, title vacated by uh, James Garmany, who who held that, but uh, we weren't able to get a title defense from James. He's kind of dipped off the radar. I don't even know where James is, man. Uh, I can only speculate, but uh, now it'll be you and Julian Goins. Um, talk a little bit about this matchup. Well, first, before we get into this, let's talk a little bit about the last one. You know, you fought Josh Denham, uh, knocked him out. Uh, before that, you you uh, fought his teammate, Taylor Burton, knocked him out. There's a little bit of heat there between you and the Somerset boys uh, leading up to that, but it seems like you guys made, made peace after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There should be no heat anymore, you know. Um, yeah, I took that fight. Well, let me let me backtrack a little bit. Back in February, I uh, I was the passenger in a, in a pretty bad car accident. Took some injuries where I didn't even think that I was ever going to be be able to get back in the cage. So yeah, I re I remember reaching out to you and I told you that this year I was coming back and I was just I'm, I'm looking for blood. I'm trying to take heads off. And when you when you offered me that fight on that short notice to get with Taylor. I mean, I had all intentions on going up there and knocking his head off. Sure. I mean, no luck to him. I mean, being 5'9", and, you know, a lot smaller than me, a lot of people looking at that fight didn't really give me the credit due. So whenever his his buddy decided to come back and avenge him, I knew that I had to put him out first round for people to really take me serious. And this fight coming up now, you're looking at another first round finish, Julian Goins, and hopefully oh, wow. at this point will really start taking me serious. Well, Julian is another uh, big guy now. For, we haven't mentioned it yet. CJ is about six eight, man. Like CJ is a tall motherfucker. He, he is a uh, he's he's huge and he's got that power. But uh, you know, you've got the you've got the wrestling to fall back on. You're a high school wrestler, but you really haven't had to show that yet. You've really, honestly, just been able to use your hands. But you, we know you've got that wrestling in your back pocket. Um, you know, talk a bit about that. Is that uh, is that something that you you just are waiting to until you absolutely have to yeah. use? And you, you like getting those knockouts right now? Yeah, 
absolutely. Yeah, that's that, that's something I'm going to keep in my back pocket. I don't I don't really want to have to bring it out unless I need to. Like I said, that's why I got in with uh, Blaylocks. You know, because that that that's a completely striking gym. They're in there yeah. for the knockouts, and that that's I have the power. The power's there. I just need to tighten some things up, and I'm telling you, I'm really going to be trouble in this division. What do you think about your opponent here now? Julian, of course, uh, also undefeated, and he's another guy. He's only had the one fight, but it was a knockout against uh, a tough Jamel Taylor. Uh, both so both of you guys between you, we were looking at five first round wins, five knockouts. No, but neither of y'all have gone past the first round. Is that something that's in the back of your mind? That you know, what if I got to go to a second round? Do I have the cardio to to, to do that? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're training, you're in great shape, but at the same time, till it's happened, you just don't know. Yeah, that's where that's where the wrestling will come in, man. Um, I, a lot, if, if people who knew me in high school or knew just know my wrestling career period. I never really had. I, I had a few quick pins, but but mainly I was a I grinded out. I I, I can go all rounds, no problem. Nice, nice. Thoughts on Julian Goins, man. He's a guy that will he'll be the first guy that you fight that's that's uh, been able to come pretty dang close to matching your your height and reach. And he's this is his to a, to a degree. This is kind of a home home fight it more than you know it's one thing to come into a guy's hometown you're julian is uh, one of the bouncers at the cotton eye joe so you're more or less coming into his house yeah i like that shit man um what's what's that uh that excuse my language but what's that dave Chappelle skit man that fuck your couch bro that's right right i've really been taking taking in this bad guy role you know and i've embraced it honestly so you're calling the first round knockout here. Uh, what's what's the game plan overall, man? I know that you're wanting to take this thing as far as you can. Is this a situation where you will win that strap and get ready to go pro? Uh, you know, I, I I think with your build and your physicality, you know, you're going to be a force in the professional ranks as well. How far off is that, or are you just kind of taking it one fight at a time? I'd like to I'd like to when, I'd like to take this strap and defend it. You know, maybe maybe two or three times and. Really, like I said, really, really perfect some things that I have in the back of my head that I know I need to work on. And after that, I mean, I want to, I want to take off. I mean, I've been training with Billy a lot, and I know he's he's on you guys' pro roster. Uh-huh. So I want to let, I want to let him do his thing and kind of, kind of shoot up before I come in. I don't really want to have to bump heads with one of my sparring buddies right now. Sure. No, that makes sense for sure, man. Well, man, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think uh, I think it's safe to say, but with both of you guys' track records, we're not going three rounds uh, next week. But uh, definitely one, uh, one that fans want to want to tune in for because these two big dudes are going to throw some heavy leather. Somebody's going to go down. Before I let you go, CJ, I want to let you get some shout outs where they are due. Any uh, friends, family, training partner, sponsors you want to get some love to? I'll let you do it, and then let us know where we can follow you on social media. All right. I want to go ahead and start out by giving a shout out to my parents, you know, because without them, I would be nothing. Um, I want to give another huge shout out to East Ridge Wrestling, as I always do, because that's my stomping grounds. I want to give a huge shout out to Chad Blaylock, because without him, I would not have this confidence I do right now. And I want to give a, the last shout out to my homeboy, Jesse Cameron. That's my manager. And you guys can follow me on Instagram at CJ Baker, 423, Facebook, CJ Baker. And that's really all that I pay attention to. So. All right. This has been CJ Baker, one of the top heavyweights in the Southeast, uh, rising up through the rankings, looking to stay undefeated as he goes for that Valor heavyweight strap in the main event of Valor 75 next weekend from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. You can get your tickets at FighterTicks with an X.com. Make sure you select CJ's name from the menu so uh, we know you're coming to support him. And if you can't make it in person, you can catch it on pay per view at the VFCMMA.com website. CJ, thanks so much for the time. Looking forward to it next thank week. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, our final guest tonight on the Bauer Hour, we have got the other side of our main event next weekend at the World Famous Cotton Eye Joe for the heavyweight title. Here is the Black Cowboy, Julian Goins. Julian, how's it going? What's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm excited to talk to you here. First time we've had you on the show, and so that's always cool. Uh, before we get to started, uh, get too uh, deep into this title fight talk, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to our listeners, the people that aren't familiar with you, kind of let them know, uh, you know, your background and, uh, you know, just kind of uh, what, what got you into this whole MMA thing. Well, it all started, you know, you guys started doing shows up there at the Cotton Eye Joe's. I'm one of the security guys up there, so I watched and you know that's how i pretty much got involved uh, you know wanted to see what i can do in the ring so i gave it a shot and you know something that i fell in love with well of course you made your debut uh that right there at your home uh home spot there at the cotton eye joe you with a big first round knockout over jamel taylor tough guy came down from indiana big dude and uh you know uh, you got him out of there real quick and now you're going to turn around and you're going to go for that heavyweight title in the main event next week against a very tough cj baker cj baker a guy that uh, you know he's four and zero at this point he's got four first round knockouts uh like yourself neither one of you guys have gotten out of the first round yet so i think it's safe to say that uh, no matter which way it goes this one's probably not going all three rounds would you agree oh yeah most definitely uh i did a little research and a little you know talking to a few guys and from what i see yeah he's a you know a big strong guy and i'm gonna go in there and we're just gonna slug him out and you know, made the best man win. Of course, uh, CJ, he, he's uh, kind of uh, embraced a bit of a villain role here. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's a guy that uh, he's polarizing. You know, he's got some fans. He's got some guys that, that uh, aren't fans of him as well. He, but uh, at this point, nobody's been able to shut him up. He's been able to uh, to put down everyone. You'll be the first guy that will be able to match his size uh, as far as uh, the length and the reach, because you guys are both very, very tall guys athletic guys uh you know what what are you expecting uh, from this fight do you, do you think this is going to be uh you know the thing is even though you guys are both so long uh you're you're both uh, wanting to get in there and trade blows it's like neither one of you guys are going to be dancing around and circling so it's like it's almost like the link goes out the window yeah pretty much it does i mean when you have guys that are about the same height you know is this really you know you don't have to bob and weave and you know get him out of his element or he's going to try to get me out of my element. And, you know, the game is probably going to have to change up as far as us being able to walk out of them corners, you know, just blowing, you know, trying to contact, you know, with just swinging. We're really going to have to, you know, take a different technique at it and really work. So it should be very interesting, you know, once we get in there and see how it goes. Of course, you're one of the security there at the Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, so, is there is there any extra pressure there? I would think maybe there is a little bit, a little extra pressure, you know, fighting there in front of your coworkers and your friends, and you know, everybody's rooting you on there. Is there any pressure to come through? Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, you don't want to go in there and get whooped, and then you got to come right. back Saturday night and go to work. Right. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I know you always uh, you got a rowdy crowd that comes with you, a very uh, loyal group of supporters that'll be there rooting for you as well. Uh, this will be main event, man. Your first main event. How exciting is that to uh, to be able to headline a show and for that title on top of it, you know, uh, just a very new new young buck to the game already getting that title shot. 
uh, you know, that's uh, it's a big opportunity. Oh yeah, man, and I appreciate it. You know, it's it's been kind of, I guess, mind blowing. You know, to be in the position that I am already, you know, this soon into my career. But you know, I guess everybody has different, you know, paths and different routes they take, and you know, the opportunity came, so I wasn't going to turn it down. Well, I'll tell you what, man, the heavyweight division is one of those wide open divisions. So it's not like 155 and 170 where you've just got just a stack of guys up at the top with the heavyweights. Uh, you know, the guys that are the better, the, the hitters, the guys that are getting the finishes going out there and putting on a show, they rise to the top a lot quicker because, uh, you know, there's there's not as many of you guys that are so big and that are the, the, the gap between the guys that are really tough and the guys that are not so tough. Uh, it's a big gap, you know, so I'm not really too surprised, honestly, after that big knockout. And, you know, Jamel Taylor is a guy that we saw come back uh, in September just about a month ago and put up a really, really nice showing against uh, one of Billy Swanson's uh, trained guys. He went all three rounds and, and lost a split decision. But that makes your knockout over him look even better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually sat and watched a little bit of that fight. Um, he, you know, came out and I don't know if he went home and switched up his game, but it was a lot, you know, different. I guess he approached the fight a lot different than he approached it with me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think with you, it was more of a let's get out here and just start throwing uh, throwing blows. And that ended up being, uh, you know, his downfall. He seemed a little like he's a little bit more measured uh, in this last one. But still, like I said, it, it lends more credence to uh, to your power because, I mean, you know, Jamel's a big dude and uh, maybe, uh, you know, the, the biggest of all the opponents between you and CJ, if that makes sense. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Talk a little bit about your training for this. Who's been helping you get ready and uh, uh, getting you getting you war ready here for the day? Yeah, I mean, my training really has been consistent of, like I said, we're both big guys. It's been my cardio, 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 because, you know, we do go, you know, a whole round, you know, by the time that three minutes of them, two big old guys swinging each other around would be exhausted. So that's what my training has been really consistent of is building my cardio up and um, getting my legs underneath me, man. If I got to sit in here and, you know, tussle with another grizzly, you know, you want to have your legs underneath you. Yeah. That's what my training is consistent of. That's what, you know, that's one thing I, I, I just talked to CJ right before I talked to you. And, uh, you know, and it's something I asked. It was like, you know, you've had four fights, all of your fights admitted in the first round. Is there anything, is there any kind of, I guess, fear in the back of your mind that, hey, what if this thing goes to a second round? Am I in good enough shape, uh, you know, to do that? Because, you know, I, I it's never happened before. So it's got to be a little bit of a, uh, a mystery, if you will. So I would think, uh, you know, having that cardio up is going to be uh, of utmost importance for uh, two guys that haven't seen the second round yet. Yeah, exactly. And that was, you know, that was my main goal as far as approaching this fight is, you know. You know, if he can take a hit and I can take a hit, you know, second round hit, you know, who's going to have the lungs to get back in there? To keep And keep throwing, yeah, no doubt. Cool, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a hell of a main event next week. Two big boys throwing down two of the biggest boys that we got. Uh, but before I let you go, I let's uh, give some uh, shout outs where they're due. Any uh, friends, family, training partners, sponsors you want to give some love to, I'll let you do that. And then uh, finish this off by letting us know your social media. All right. 
social media, you guys can find me on Facebook, Julian Goins on Instagram, Julian8787. Um, I want to give a shout out to my sponsor, Making Boss Move. Those guys have been pretty good to me. And another big shout out to my momager, which is my mom. <laughs> she's she's been there. She's she wasn't too fond of you know me getting into the ring and all that stuff, but she's grown on it, and I couldn't ask for bigger support. And you know everybody that's in my corner, I really can't name everybody names, but I appreciate every single you know person that comes out and supports me that comes out and supports you know battle fight night hey man i'm looking forward to it thanks so much for the time julian once again this has been the black cowboy julian goins he gets ready to main event next weekend at the world famous cotton eye joe for that vacant valor heavyweight strap you can get your tickets at fighter ticks with an x.com make sure you put julian's name as the fighter you're coming to support and uh if you can't be there in person you can catch it live on pay-per-view at the bfcmma.com website thanks so much for the time julian i'm looking forward to this one so much we'll see you next week Alrighty, see Thank you so much to all three of our guests for joining us. You can catch all three of them once again at Valor 75 next week at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe, or you can catch them on pay-per-view at bfcmma.com. And uh, with that, we are going to go into our UFC portion of the show uh, and with uh, for our special guest this week. Let's bring on board Vince Ferrara. Vince Ferrara is our play-by-play for uh, the Valor pay-per-views as well as uh, hosting his, his own uh, programming here in Knoxville for the Sports Animal. Vince, we appreciate you joining us tonight. How are you? I am good, Tim, Justin. Hope you guys are doing well. We are. We are, man. It's a pleasure to have you on board. We're going to recap this UFC 254 card that went down on the uh, final event of Fight Island's uh, month uh, stay there. And it was uh, it was quite a show, man. It was an early start time. We, we got going at 11 o'clock in the morning, which uh, in hindsight wasn't too bad. Honestly, I didn't mind ending my evening early. Uh, Justin, were you uh, how did this affect your day? Were you were you just up and ready to dive into UFC mode already? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, it was interesting because it left the night wide open, uh, and I kind of felt like, you know, I, I still had something in me when it when it was over. I wanted to see more fights, but um, I guess it would have been cool if I would have had something planned for later in the night. <laughs> now, Vince, uh, how about you? Now, you cover a lot of college football uh, there for for your main gig, and so this was right in the right in the mix of a lot of college football. Did you watch this thing live, or did you get caught up on it after the fact? I'm sure, like with the main event stuff, you wouldn't want to have spoilers. Yeah, I uh, I DVR'd it. Um, uh, we're actually not not DVR'd it, but on on the plus, you can go back and access the replays, and then uh, had access to the main event as well. So I caught up with it afterwards uh, over a couple of day period. You know, Tennessee was playing Alabama on Saturday, and you get out to the stadium three hours before. We do a lot of you know pregame videos and stuff like that and prep for it. So I kind of did hear what happened. So I did get in the main event. So that was spoiled for me um, because you do some work on social media. But, you know, that's fine. I still enjoyed it going back and uh, you know, in watching it, you know, afterwards. So I caught up on everything and um, I can still enjoy it. Even if I have a spoiler, it is cool to watch it live and usually try to do that. But man, with college football Saturday, when Tennessee's playing, it's hard to do that live, but you know, the ratings weren't, weren't great. They suffered in the, 
in the prelims with the early start. So I wonder if they'll uh, they'll do something like that again, or if it was just the circumstances of that one one show. Yeah, that's something we talked about last week. Is uh, you know, is this a good idea? Are you uh, are you kind of turning away your average Joe fan that you're uh, you're appealing to? Uh, you know, obviously your hardcore fans are going to be there for it, but competing against college football in the middle of the day, you know, to me, I would think with a big card like this, you would want to have all potential eyes on there that you could get. That said, uh, it, it was still a great card. It was a lot of finishes, a lot of good action. We'll start at the top as uh, obviously the fight that everybody was looking forward to for the uh, lightweight championship. Uh, Habib uh, Nurmagomedov with a second round triangle choke domination over Justin Gaethje. Gaethje never could get going. He just, um, you know, I talked with Vince on uh, our show. Uh, you know, it just seemed like he was flailing around uh, out there and, and throwing wild, hard, heavy haymakers, not landing. Uh, a fairly uh, admirable job of staving off the takedown throughout the first uh, two or three minutes of the fight. And for those minutes, I was like, all right, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be all right. He's going to be able to get this, uh, he's going to be able to keep him off of him. But the forward pressure of Khabib, he's like a robot. It's like, just uh, it's like playing the computer on expert and just he doesn't make mistakes he just comes forward and you have to react to it uh justin your thoughts on uh Khabib's performance in this main event and then his subsequent retirement after the fact uh definitely wasn't the fight that i expected you know Khabib's stand up even though it it is evolving it's just not it's it, i mean he just kind of pushes forward throwing big shots and he was throwing heavy shots and it almost looked like Justin was worried about them. You know, I think that he was very focused on the takedown and um, he, but he was just moving backwards way too much and Khabib just walked him down. Um, so I was very unimpressed with, with Justin's performance. Uh, I thought Khabib did, did Khabib. I mean, he kind of did the same thing we always see him do. Um, and then retiring afterwards was crazy. I don't, I don't think many people expected it. Uh, you know, they were all saying 30 and oh, but um I don't know. I think we'll probably end up seeing him back eventually, but it'll probably be a while, I'd say. Well, I think that uh, that's definitely the question on everybody's mind. You know, we talk about it all the time as far as fighters uh, retiring and coming back. Vince, what's your take on this one? Uh, You know, obviously a dominant performance from Khabib. Uh, Your thoughts on his win and also your thoughts on uh, what we can expect from him as far as this retirement goes. You know, Tim, I actually saw this fight differently than than Justin. I give Habib a lot more credit for how the fight went down rather than, you know, just Justin Gaethje not looking good. I mm-hmm. I, I credit Habib for that. You know, when you know you're going to get taken down, you have to stay at distance. It changes your your uh you know your mode, your approach, um, your offense. And then I think Habib, he wasn't intimidated or didn't care about Gaethje, you know, being in range when he was trying to close the distance for a takedown. He, he wasn't afraid of those strikes coming back, despite the guy having just absolute bombs uh, for for hands. And I think the most in, the most effective strike for Gaethje, it wasn't just the power in his hands; it actually was the kick to the lead leg of a beep and he kind of you know beep kind of stumbled a couple of times through those and but you know he just wasn't able to follow up on that and then he a beep when he started taking him down after those first couple of minutes then he would find the right angles at the right time and that's when you think just when you think that you're keeping him at bay 
and that you you would have the advantage in the strike game. He's able to one evade strikes coming his way, as you mentioned, Tim, with those wild, um, mm-hmm. you know, flailing shots. And then also he you you lean in one direction or or drop your head. He's shooting in, get the single uh, single leg, and then the way he was able to get that triangle submission so quickly and transition into the mount, and then and then go to the triangle where he had his choice of different approaches. I mean, just so impressive. He's just dominated, and Gaethje hadn't seen anyone with that kind of offense before and that kind of pressure. So I give the credit to to Habib and Gaethje is going to. You know, be a highlight for pretty much against pretty much everybody else. As far as the, um, you know, the the retirement. Now, I watched Dana White's post game, and I kind of follow his lead on it. He's going to give him some space. He believes him right now, and then he'll and then we'll see down the road. But you know, Dana White believes him, and so uh, you know he knows what his what his family obligation was to his mom and that promise. I think he means it now, but I would not be surprised if eventually, for whatever reason, inspiration, family says no, go for it, or whatever, it'll change, and I think we will eventually see him. But, man, he is, there's no doubt to me he's the best pound for pound. Take him over John, John Jones at this point, absolutely. What do you guys think is next for Justin Gaethje? I I don't think that he that he falls too far here. We've done this to everyone at this point. I think that uh, you know he's going to be right in the mix. Is but you know we've got a vacant title here. Obviously, Connor's in the mix. Uh, Poirier's in the mix, and now Michael Chandler potentially in the mix. Uh, what is uh, Justin? Your thoughts on what's next for Gaethje? Do you think it is? Uh, to, I think it's down to either. You fight Michael Chandler uh, and maybe in, in a bit of a little default uh, tournament of sorts, or did Chandler and Gaethje and Poirier and Connor in the winner's fight for the belt, or uh, does he just wait and get maybe the winner of Connor and Poirier? Um, you know, I, I think that, that they that there's a lot of matchups now to be made um, at 55. You know, the, the top seven or eight guys in that division could, could match up for a crazy um, – Grand Prix, but uh, I feel like they're probably going to do the the um, Connor and and Poirier fight for the title, um, and then yeah, I like uh, Gaethje and and, uh, and and Michael Chandler, and there's just so many other ones that you know I think you, you could you could put several of those matchups on the same night um, and and make a hell of a card. But you know the thing of it is, most of these guys at the top of the division are coming off of losses, so. Um, I think the only one really coming off of a win, you know, Connor obviously at 70, but uh, Poirier's coming off of a win, but, you know, Gaethje's coming off of a loss, Hooker's coming off of a loss, Ferguson's coming off of a loss. You know, I think the, the, the dark horse there is uh, is Charles Oliveira, um, and I like that fight for, for Gaethje or, um, or Michael Chandler as well. That would be fireworks for sure. Vince, your take on what you'd like to see for Justin Gaethje next. Well, it's, it, last I saw with the UFC rankings that were updated on Monday, Gaethje still at one with Corey two, then Ferguson, and then Connor, you know, Hooker, and then it goes from there. And you guys mentioned, you know, a, a tournament would be would be awesome or or de facto type of tournament or Grand Prix. I mean, that would be wonderful. But Conor McGregor isn't doing that, so. <laughs> <laughs> He, if he's not participating, then you can toss that idea over your over either shoulder and into the trash. 
Um, but as you mentioned, Tim, you mentioned it on our our MMA show on the Sports Animal in the Cage MMA Radio Thursday nights at uh, eight to nine. By the way, That's um, right. and uh, and you mentioned it on there that you know Gaethje, you can match him up with anybody because of his success and his style. So I think I think anybody in that group is fine. Um, Michael Chandler is interesting because he would be the the one guy because of what he's accomplished outside of the UFC that he, he doesn't have a, a ranking next to his name, but I think he would got he would be the guy that would skip up. Now, would that be something that Gaethje would be up for a number one contender against an uh, an unranked fighter? What happens if Gaethje loses some sort of wacky decision? Right. So there, there's some risk there in that type of fight, even if Chandler does have uh, name value to it. But, man, you can pair him up with any of those guys. And honestly, I don't care if they fought before. Um, but it's probably Poirier-McGregor winner of that would, would probably get Habib, I think, is the next step for you know that, that title. I would worry if I'm Dana White about putting that title up between Poirier and Connor because if Connor wins, then he's going to hold it hostage. I think, and he's not. You know, you don't have as much free reign. I don't think to just make whatever fight you want to make. Right. The co-main event was a. Uh, to me, I thought that this was such a coin toss matchup. I didn't like either. I didn't have a lot of confidence in either side. I ended up going with Whitaker and being on the right side, though. It's Robert Whitaker wins a unanimous decision over Jared Cannonier. He got the first two rounds. Uh, Cannonier working some pretty good leg kicks. He had Whitaker's legs marked up pretty good. Like he, he obviously worked against Anderson Silva, but uh, yeah, Whitaker just looked awesome, man. He was able to show that he was just the much, uh, he was the, he was the much more technical, uh, quick man. And, uh, Cannonier just didn't have any answers for the technical striking of Robert Whitaker as Whitaker gets a big win. He needed that win. I feel like, because, um, you know, a lot of people were picking Cannonier and saying Whitaker was shot and that, uh, he wasn't going to be, uh, you know, back at the top of the heat, but, uh, this is a good win for him. It puts him back in contention for the title. I feel like maybe very quickly as Adesanya was talking about, um, he expected Cannoneer to win and Cannoneer was expected to kind of be the next challenger and all that is, uh, kaput now. I would imagine that Whitaker would get that shot next. I don't see anybody else that's more deserving. Your take on this co-main event, Vince. Yeah, so impressed with Whitaker, I was like you. We saw it the same way. Uh, expected Whitaker to win, but not high conviction or confidence level on it because you just don't know how he was going to bounce back for this fight with all the injuries he's had. But man, he looked terrific. And you know, I, I kind of disagreed a little bit with with DC. They made it sound like you know the you know maybe one of those first two rounds was a toss up. I guess maybe the first. I didn't necessarily see it that way. I thought I thought Whitaker. Clearly won the first two, and then yeah. Cannoneer after that. Plus, he put him down. Um, so he, I think he deserves, you know, extra credit for that. Also, uh, very impressed by Whitaker, and he's not probably the ideal fight that the UFC would have wanted or opponent for Israel Adesanya. But you know, Dana White said in the post game too that you know Whitaker Adesanya is is what makes sense, and uh, the number one contender beat the number two contender. How do you not? give him the next title fight. I think that will happen and just really impressed with Whitaker for a long time. He's been one of my favorite fighters to watch, but with injuries, you just haven't seen that level of fighter, especially against Adesanya. But man, if that kind of, that, 
that performance by Whitaker, it would be a more competitive fight without Asanya. I still wouldn't pick him to to win. I still think Israel is on a different level. I have to agree with you there, 100%. Justin, your take on this co-main event, um, your your thoughts on the fight, and then, uh, you know, do you think Whitaker is the uh, heir apparent to that next uh, title fight, or do you think it goes somewhere else? Yeah, I thought Whitaker looked great. You know, he stumbled against Adesanya, came back against Till. Uh, I thought he looked, you know, really good in that fight, and then this being his first three-round fight in a long time, you know, he, he, he kind of has a tendency to, to go slow in the beginning, and um, he, he does well in the third, fourth and fifth, but in this one, he, he, you know, he was able to get it going earlier in the fight and, um, I thought he looked great, man. It's, it's a, it puts him in a tough place. You know, I think everybody was banking on Cannoneer, uh, winning that fight and being a shoe in to fight out but, you know, with it, it's hard to go anywhere else. You know, Rob's coming off the win over till you got, uh, till and Hermanson fighting coming up. I think the only real argument over Whitaker would be if if something crazy happened and Hermanson got a, a, a big, big finish over Till. Um, maybe vice versa, you know, but Till's coming off of a loss to Whitaker. Hermanson's coming off of a loss for, to Cannoneer. Um, and then, you know, the only two left in, in the top five are, are Costa and, and Yoel. Um, so it's it's a weird place for the division. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's could be a good time for for Izzy to try out 205 and, and let this thing play out. I don't think there's a ton of interest in the public eyes for, for Whitaker out of Sonya yet, just because of how dominant it was in the first one. But, um, you know, it, it'd be hard to, if, if Adesanya is going to defend the title at, at 85 next, it'd be hard to, for anybody to have an argument to, to be in there over Whitaker. Uh, Vince and I talked about this on our show. What do you think about a Jared Cannonier Paulo Costa fight? That's two guys coming off of losses to the top of the division. In a in theory, it would be a violent war. Yeah, I think it's a perfect matchup. Um, you know, I think Costa is obviously uh, going to be coming forward, and I think Cannonier is going to do the same thing. Both of them are, are going to be needing a big win. Um, I think that one's fireworks. I think that fight might sell better than Whitaker Adesanya, too. I don't know. Uh, up, next is, yeah, up next, feature bout heavyweights. Um, I was uh, pretty heavy on the winner here. I was happy that I called this one. Alexander Volkov gets a second-round knockout. Uh, body shot, a kick to the body, solar plexus to be exact. Uh, in the second round, takes out the big ticket, Wall Harris, as uh, about minus 170. I thought that was a pretty good value. If Harris wasn't able to find the knockout early, I just didn't think he was going to have any – other path to victory, uh, you know, his gas tank has not been great. Volkov's got pretty good striking, definitely a better grappler, and uh, made a nice statement here. He's number seven. He'll uh, he'll be able to potentially get a, a big fight, I think, next, possibly uh, uh, Rosenstruck or Overeem or something like that, I would imagine. Uh, for Volkov, uh, it was, it's a big win for him, a tough loss for Walt Harris who uh, may, uh, I believe uh, we said earlier on our show, Vince, he fell out of the top 10 by one slot, but uh, still going to be a guy that, you know, he's an exciting fighter. The UFC doesn't have just the deepest wealth of heavyweights. So I don't think he has to worry about job security, but as far as uh, making that run to the top, it's definitely halted for a moment. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on this heavyweight tilt? You know, Volkov is, is a is a very decorated striker, and all week coming into this fight, I was pretty high on Volkov. And then, I don't know why, maybe I just got into my feels a little bit, just feeling sorry for Walt Harris and wanting to see something good happen for him. But I um, started feeling like 
you know, maybe Volkov was, was going to be a little too overconfident early in the fight and that the Walt Harris was going to be able to land something big, um, you know, a big counter shot and, and knock him out. Uh, but that's just not what happened. Volkov striking looked great as always. And, um, you know, that, that kick to the body was, was nasty and, and Walt Harris didn't, couldn't handle anymore. Um, it's a bad run for him, man. I feel bad for that guy, but we knew coming into this fight that it wasn't a, wasn't a good matchup for him. Vince, uh, not only your thoughts on this fight, but do you feel like the UFC hype machine that sways us from time to time to put a little bit more stock into these underdogs? Because looking at, really, if you look at just the, the first three fights that we've talked about here, you know, Walt Harris, um, I felt like was should have been a fairly major underdog here in this spot just because of the discrepancy in, in the talent between the two guys. But you have all these features on Walt Harris and what happened to his daughter, the tragic situation there. You start getting some feels there. Maybe the public comes on. Jared Cannonier, another thing, another guy that I don't know that I was ever really sold on, to tell you the truth. It's not like I was like that impressed with the guy, but all these hype packages that, that build up Cannonier and he's just shredded and now he's at this new gym and he's got these moon rocks and all this shit like uh and then justin gaethje again like i feel like i i was on justin gaethje but I, you know because i felt like uh, I, I was for him to win I, I wanted to see an exciting finish from him but at the same time looking back on it it was just so dominant does the ufc hype machine uh they do a pretty good job of uh of making these underdogs feel appealing well, it, first of all, you guys hit the key points in the fight, so I won't be repetitive sure. there. I thought Volkov would win, and it, it went similar to you know the, the way I thought. As far as the hype machine thing, I guess I'm such a big wrestling fan mm-hmm. that I look I look at packages and you know what what seems like hype more as ways to have a emotional connection to the fight fan. And if you develop that connection and a reason to care about the fighter, you're going to watch, you, you may root for them. Who knows? Sometimes they'll do packages and, you know, maybe you're like, man, that, that guy's, that guy's a, you know, a a jerk or whatever. And then you're like, man, I I hope he gets smashed in the face or straight elbowed (laughs) like, like uh, Maverick did. Uh, in her fight, but um, so I think it's more of a way to get that emotional connection more so than just hyping an an individual, especially if you have that kind of powerful story. So I I, I just think they they know who he is. So if the, if it was an unbelievable you know fighter that they strap you know a rocket to to his or her back. And then, you know, they had a story, then they'd certainly run that. I don't know that they viewed Harris as the guy that they're putting that rocket on. I just think with a situation, they wanted to make that emotional connection. And he just hasn't been able to to follow it up. I think his last win, I guess it's two straight now, his last win was over uh, Olenek. Uh, back in uh, in July of, of last year. So, you know, two-fight losing streak. Like you mentioned, he's not going to drop. He only drops to 11, and they'll be able to match him up. And, you know, we'll see. Maybe the farther he gets away from his tragedy, you know, maybe he's able to compartmentalize a, a more and then um, maybe change up a camp or whatever and, and get back on track. So, I, you know, I, I think it's more of that. 
An interesting addition to this main card when you look at some of the fights that didn't make the main card, although we got a nice knockout of it. Phil Hawes with an 18-second knockout, just a complete mauling of uh, Jacob Malkoon, a training partner of Robert Whitaker that made his UFC debut on a pay-per-view main card at 4-0. And, man, he just didn't look like he was ready. Uh, you know, Phil Hawes is you know, jacked, put together, yoked up, and uh, has been in there in some fairly big uh, – with some fairly bright lights already on the Contender Series. And, and whatnot, a very highly touted prospect, gets an 18-second knockout. Don't know how much that really tells us, uh, considering the level of opposition, but uh, that said, a, a nice uh, coming-out party for Phil Hawes. Also on the main card, we had Lauren Murphy get the uh, submission win over Lilia Shaki-Rova, who took that fight on short notice. Originally supposed to be Cynthia Calvillo, which would have been a, a much better fight. Lauren Murphy, though, uh, you know, pulls it off and, and gets on the mic and calls for a title fight right off the rip. So, um, you know, it's, we'll see if she gets it. Uh, I personally don't know that she's going to get it right off. However, uh, another thing Vince and I touched on earlier in our show, uh, I would like to see uh, Jessica Andrade and her face off with the winner. Uh, you know, getting getting that shot against Shevchenko uh, because whoever wins that fight, that'll be a nice a nice win, and you can maybe sell them as a credible contender, even though they probably still aren't. Uh, Vince, uh, your your thoughts here on uh, on these two? Any anything uh, stand out to you on these these two main card bouts? Yeah, I mean the Hawes was so dominant. I think you hit the key point though that I don't know that because of the opponent that Hawes will have that big of a benefit. It'll be he'll be sort of a guy that you put an asterisk next to or the UFC will and say, all right, let's see if he follows this up. Um, but that's not one to skyrocket you yet. Uh, really impressed with Lauren Murphy. I have been before, and I also agree with you. It, it was important that she got the finish. Uh, you know, it was one thing if you go to the judges' scorecards against you know Cynthia Calvillo, who who was ranked fourth. That's one thing, but man, if she wouldn't have finished Shakarova, then that you know that would have been you know, a little bit of a, a of a red flag potentially in terms of her getting another a bigger fight. But she got the finish, called out the champ. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think it's going to happen in her next fight. You know, Chikagian came down from two to uh, from one to two after her loss. And then, obviously, uh, you know, Andrade is in that one spot now. Maya's got the title shot in November against Shevchenko. Uh, Calvillo was supposed to be the opponent, and that's the only thing with Murphy. Had she had a finish on Calvillo, then that's a different story. Then then maybe that's that's you can talk about that. But I think it'll be one more, maybe Andrade. I'm sure Andrade wants the title shot next. But she's going to have to wait because – Shevchenko and Meyer are going to fight in November. And so, you know, maybe she says they give her an opportunity to fight sooner. Uh, I don't know if Murphy can turn that around, you know, as quickly. But I, I think that's the fight is Andrade and Murphy. And then, you know, the winner maybe after that could potentially get Shevchenko. Justin, you think uh, Lord Murphy is, uh, is due uh, next up here? You think she needs one more quality one? No, I, I agree with that assessment. I mean, um, Murphy and Andrade or throw Calvia in the mix against either one of those two girls. I think those are your top three um, for for who, who's going to fight uh, Shevchenko after she takes out Maya. Um, and, 
I think all those are pr- probably good fights. Uh, I think Laura Murphy's probably the bottom of that list, though. Yeah. Um, I think it's you know I think it's between Calvia and Andrade, um, and that's that's probably the fight that I would like to see. But I might I may prefer that as a title fight instead of a an eliminator. Um, but one of them would have to get past Shevchenko to do that. So, uh, not an easy task. I think Mur- Murphy's still a, a fairly sizable underdog to Andrade. I think the quickness of Andrade is going to to show a lot. Murphy's very tough. You know, she she's tough, but she's just I don't know that she's the natural athlete with the quickness uh, of someone like Andrade. I think he's just going to be moving and uh, super strong on top of it. So I don't know that she gets past Andrade, but I like the fight as kind of uh, you know just to kind of uh, whittle it down to who who it's going to be. Leading off the main card, we got that. <laughs> We finally got it. It's uh, it was booked and canceled several times. Kudalaba had COVID more than once. Corbin had COVID here <laughs> for a moment. This fight may get pulled, but uh, they ended up letting it go on, even though uh, Kudalaba's corner had COVID. It was Magomed Ankalaev who gets the knockout uh, a little over four minutes into the first round. Uh, the first time these guys fought, there was controversy with Kudalaba playing possum some. Uh, there was no playing possum here. He just got lit up pretty much. And a nice win for Ankalaev who climbs to 14-1. and one. And who would have thought that one loss is to Paul Craig? Uh, Justin, your thoughts on this opener? Yeah, Ankalaev was a big favorite coming into this, you know, kind of based off of what happened in the first fight. But it, I think it was pretty clear who's the better athlete and who the better fighter was. Um, like you said, he, he kind of just, once he, he got a hold of Kudalaba, he lit him up and uh, wasn't much that, that Kudalaba could do about it. Of course, the uh, undercard uh, I thought was pretty entertaining. We're going to run through that just as a whole, and I'll get each of you guys' thoughts just on the overall, uh, anything that stood out to you um, on that undercard. Of course, uh, the uh, feature, heavyweight, says Ty Tuivasa knocks out Stefan Struve with one second to go in the very first round. And uh, I was on Tuivasa there, and, and Cash, that was nice with uh, him being close to a pick I thought that, uh, you know, essentially it played out like I assumed it would play out. Of it. He was going to get Struve up against the cage. He's going to hit him until Struve eventually goes down. And uh, Struve just didn't really have too many options or in too many ways to drag him to the ground where he would have that uh, massive uh, uh, submission advantage. Too, also looked to be just in better shape. Just, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't gassing and uh, throwing with better technique. I thought it was a pretty good win for him. I don't think he's ready to just, you know, elevate up the rankings. But, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was definitely a good win. Casey Kenny, my guy, Casey Kenny, uh, cash it. Man, I tell you what, I bet on Casey Kenny every time. And you bet on Casey Kenny every time you're going to make money. Uh, he gets a unanimous decision win as a slight favorite over Nathaniel Wood, another very hyped prospect. This is a war, man. Both these guys threw everything they had at each other. And ultimately, it was Casey Kenny who got the win. He looked great. Um, another guy that looked really good in his debut is Shavkat Rachmanov, who came in at 12-0 and uh, takes out the Brazilian cowboy, Alex Oliveira, and uh, in, in – stunning fashion the very first round he gets him out of there submission by guillotine choke and uh there was a lot of hype on this guy coming in i i I was on him but with trepidation just because cowboy's such a uh uh, you know a vet he's been in there with the best of the best but he took this one on short notice and he he got ran by rackmanoff uh vince your thoughts anything on this first three uh the 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 latter half of the prelims uh it was stood out well two uh 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 Taito Avasa, he admitted that he took his training more seriously and it showed out, you know, because he he did look in better shape 
and the gas tank wasn't an issue. It helps that he didn't have to get out of the first round. But man, just folded Struve with the body shots. And yeah, when you're a skyscraper and they chop the foundation in the middle, you're no longer a skyscraper. Um, so uh, uh, Tuivasa was very impressive, and he's always you know class act afterwards. You mentioned the Kenny Wood uh, fight. I mean, there no loser there. It was fight of the night, and I don't I, I don't think even though there are some you know, spectacular finishes and dominating performances. I don't think anything else was even in consideration to me because it did go the distance and there's just so the pace of both of those guys was outrageous. Kenny with his variety of kicks strikes with the left hand, you know, Wood had a lot of offense coming back. They, they, it was one of those where, guy would eat a shot and it would encourage him to fire back with more venom and intent. Uh, just a, just a really fun fight. I think that's Kenny's second win, uh, you know, in, uh, in the calendar year. And, um, that was a catchweight fight going in. So I, you know, just wonder, um, you know, I'm glad that, it, uh, I should say that they didn't scrap the fight because they didn't have, you know, the one weight class to put him in. And then you mentioned Rotmanov, man. Um, he he told Daniel Cormier, "I'm gonna dominate Cowboy." And Cormier was like, "Uh, okay," <laughs> and he did. <laughs> um, and then you know the guillotine. I mean, he put that bad boy in, and it was it was locked on um, and dominant to do it to that kind of opponent. Man, that's how you benefit from a win is to do it with a guy with a, with name value and you basically you put a a stamp of validation to your undefeated record. So, a uh, great showing for him as well. Yeah, I thought so too, man. It was uh I mean, I don't think I can recall Cowboy just getting absolutely ran like that before. I was obviously we've seen him lose, but it's rare to see him just get dominated. Justin, uh, your thoughts on this uh, latter batch of prelims what stood out? Yeah, Romanov looked great. Um you know, I, I, I took a little there on this one and I just kind of thought that the experience and um, and just the grittiness uh, was going to show. But, you know, Rachmanov was was the real deal and he cinched that thing up and it was tight, man. I didn't think uh, if he was going to get a finish, I definitely didn't think it was going to be like that by, you know, jumping guard into a guillotine. Um, so that was impressive. Casey Kinney and, and Nathaniel Wood was it delivered as expected. We knew that was going to be just a hell of a fight back and forth. Those guys are nonstop. Um, both these guys are young and hungry and, uh, they come in, you know, looking to make a name for themselves. And this fight was guaranteed fireworks. And we got that from it. Um, Tuivasa and Struve was, was, it was a good fight for Tuivasa. You know, Struve has, has a lot of weapons that, um, that, that Tuivasa would be, very susceptible to, um, given if, if they were to get into certain positions, but Ty basically just put him up against the fence and didn't let him get, um, into any advantageous positions. You know, he didn't, didn't stay in range long enough for Stefan's, uh, reach to come into play. And, uh, he didn't, didn't want to play around with the ground game too much. You know, he just, uh, chucked him down one time and then, then caught him with a big uppercut that, that split the guard and, um, you know, Struve was Struve was done, but it was a big win for him coming off of three losses. You know, it's a guy that was a big, big hype train coming in, <clears throat> um, and you know took a took a, a few tough losses there. And it's nice to see him get back on the winning track. He's super marketable, and 
Um, I think they can they can do big things with with Tuivasa if they match him the right way. And then real quick, uh, the early prelims, we had a, a split draw. Uh, South Korean fired Da Eun Jung and Sam Alvey. A lot of people thought Alvey won that fight. And uh, he, the draw saved me because I thought I was going to lose it. And I had Jung parlayed all over the place. And so uh, I was holding my breath there. And uh, Miranda Maverick with a very uh, dominant uh, debut in the UFC over Liana Jojua. She, uh, man, she had a lead elbow that she just cut open Jojua's uh her nose the top of her nose just i mean it was gnarly man it was it was pretty pretty nasty doctor stopped that one in between the first and second rounds before it got any worse but a nice one from Miranda maverick and then opening it up it was joel alvarez with a submission by armbar over the russian fighter alexander yakovlev uh yakovlev i thought was going to maybe be able to survive some of those submission attempts he was in but it's just a non-stop barrage of attempts from alvarez he finally got yakovlev and uh, I was on the wrong side of that one. Uh, Justin, uh, anything on these early ones? I was I was excited to see Miranda Maverick's debut. You know, we, we saw her um, coming up in, in the Invicta ranks. Did she fight Shanna in Invicta or was that in the um, – that was, was in Invicta, tournament. right? Yeah, it was in their tournament. Yeah, yeah. She won that, – that was the tournament. Miranda won that tournament, right? Yeah, yeah she sure did. Yeah, and um, – you know, this girl is just, I think she's super marketable. Um, you know, she's in college right now working on her, her uh, master's degree, I believe, uh, or her doctorate one, something something big and fancy. And um, the way that she's running through opponents, you know, coming into the UFC uh, and then, you know, making that impressive debut, um, you know, she, she could very well jump into the top 10 real quick um, in this division if she – you know, if she can continue to stay busy, uh, and I think she will, and, you know, with her age and everything, I think she's a, she's a hot prospect. Um, Sam Alvey and, and dog, do young Jung, that was, uh, not, not the fight that I think anybody expected. I took a, took a flyer on Sam Alvey on that one, just because, you know, he is gritty and, and he, he is in there throwing heavy hands and, thought maybe he would catch him but um i definitely didn't see a draw coming and um on DraftKings, sam alvey scored like just dog shit i don't know what what jung scored but alvey scored like 34 points or something it was about 40 uh it, it wasn't much better at all <laughs> yeah. uh uh vince uh yeah i know that you were uh you're high on miranda maverick after this win definitely uh a girl that's got some star power yeah, I mean, she's got a, a really interesting frame. I mean, she's so compact. She's like, um, you know, you see some some guys that are just with the you know the real strong thighs that have that athleticism. She kind of has that that stocky build, but man, power in those hands, and then that elbow just Ooh. straight down the alley. Man, that was vicious. Uh, that wouldn't that 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 bowl, bowling ball didn't go in the gutter. I mean, that was straight down the middle, oh, split wow. the uprights and split her nose up. Um, just really impressive from uh, from Maverick. And you know, you heard she's so young. Uh, you know, like Justin mentioned, still taking uh, classes and and working on another degree. And she mentioned it afterwards. Hey, imagine when I can just focus on fighting what I can be. And I, it's exciting. And I think the UFC needs 
more of those prospects in both the flyweight and the strawweight division. There's some, you know, there certainly are some Amanda Hebus and, and there's, there's others that you can say, man, that's a star in the making. I would put her in that, in that category with her potential for sure. Um, you mentioned uh, Daun Young. I thought he, I thought he was going to win the fight, but I kind of thought it was it was close. But you know they would give the first two rounds to Alvi. So yeah. um, you know I, I I guess if there was some debate, you know it, you could you could end up with that. But um, you know me, Tim. We've had this discussion before in several platforms. I I just love it when all the judges see it differently. Like, what are we doing? Like, do we have the same standards and and priorities in the judging? And, you know, I I know it was close. Those rounds are close. I'm surprised Jung didn't, you know, didn't finish him off. Uh, It didn't win the fight. But, you know, I, I also wouldn't have had a problem with any of those decisions, honestly. Well, you know, the and it seemed like Fight Island was just rough this time. It seemed like the judging overall on this this installment, this month-long run of fights at Fight Island, felt like the judging left a lot to be desired. It, it seems like the last three or four shows, I had two or three where I was just like, man, like this is this is not right. Right. Well, yeah, you wonder what the availability is. I mean, maybe they're maybe you know they, they had to go farther down the list of desired judges you know, that, that were available to, to travel and be in that bubble for extended period periods of time. So, you know, it's hard to, hard to say, but that would be interesting to look into for sure. I know Mark Ramondi, who interviewed you, Tim, for that ESPN piece on the pipeline from wow. regional MMA to the UFC, he actually talked to judges in the California State Commission and had some quotes. I mean, just really interesting on how they view fights and people think, that you know cage control is a much bigger deal than what it is and you know you just really broke it down i won't get into all of it but man i i you know i just wish there was more consistency one and two a better understanding from people on the outside of what those judges are actually looking at and why they don't why it's so much more subjective than i think fight fans would want it to be yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And it's one of the reasons why I think this open scoring conversation that we have from time to time is uh, is so uh, credible. I, I, I love it. I feel like it just really puts a little bit more scrutinization on exactly which rounds which judges are seeing which way. And then you kind of start to get into like, well, OK, well, now we have a little bit of a track record to know, though, this judge historically uh, is going to credit uh, cage control more so than uh, more so than another judge that may credit uh, just damage done, even if it was with fewer uh, strikes and and that that type of thing. So um, yeah, hopefully hopefully that catches some some legs, but I don't I don't anticipate it uh, happening anytime soon. Uh, we'll see here. Uh, I guess yeah, that's it for for UFC 254. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a wrap. And uh, it was a great show overall. Uh, just uh, looking here, got a stat from uh, Jason Floyd: six hundred and seventy-five thousand buys on uh, on that pay-per-view, which is uh, you know <laughs> solid numbers. Uh, they were talking about breaking records, but I don't know if that breaks any records. Um, 
Uh, Vince, do you know? Does that does that uh, does that send any records? I don't. I don't. They, I know Dana had said that they were on pace to to break some records early in the week, but that doesn't sound like. No, it's nowhere close. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think so. I hadn't seen anything about it. I think that would have caught yeah. some more lines had that happened. No, I think Connor and Khabib was like two point one million. Oh, okay, so they're not even fucking close. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, there's been there's been a lot of events that were. Uh, you know, over over a million buys. Yeah, they thought they thought this one was going to be in the two million range, but I guess I I hadn't seen those numbers that, that Jason just told you. But um, I know that's what they were saying. They were predicting, and and you know, Vince mentioned this earlier, but that that start time had to have factored in on that. You know, I think sure. a lot of places, you know, in, in the places where it would have been prime time, those places don't don't necessarily even have pay-per-view you know so um maybe they all do now i don't, I don't know how it works i guess with um having being on fight pass maybe even like in england maybe bt sports doesn't even cover it anymore i don't know how that works but um yeah that had to play a factor in it something we didn't talk about though even in the the main event two of the three judges gave round one to justin gaethje oh really i didn't know yeah. that yeah i think saudi amano was the only one that gave uh Khabib the first round, I don't see it now. I saw it earlier, but two of the three judges gave Gaethje the first round. That is, uh, that's very, very, very shocking to me. Honestly, I didn't see that. I didn't see that at all. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to rewatch it and see what they were yeah. watching for. That's- I mean, yeah, it's the first round ended with Khabib about to snap his arm. Right. He went. He went. He went to full mount, circled right. into a to, into an armbar from full mount. Like, I mean. I don't know. And Khabib was running him down the whole time. Shot the shot differential was not even close. Like it was, it's wild that 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 was uh that they could have done that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the judging over there is, but it seems like there's been a lot of problems over there. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, that I want to start keeping a little more eye on. See if I can figure out who's judging uh, these shows, and uh, who knows, maybe I can kick up an edge there. <laughs> I, <laughs> but I uh, I appreciate you uh, for joining us, Vince. This has been awesome. Uh, always love getting uh, your take on things uh, from an analyst point of view. Looking forward to having you back in Valor in December after your football duties are done. Uh, before we let you go, my man, will you uh, give us uh, give us uh, an indicator on where we can catch your shows? Of course. Vince and I have uh, MMA Inside the Cage radio every Thursday night on the Sports Animal. Uh, Vince, uh, tell them where they can listen to the podcast after the fact and also where they can uh, find your social media. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and really enjoy being on. Thanks for the invite. Uh, always fun to, to talk to both of you guys and, and be on Radio Influence. You guys, uh, you know, such a great platform. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Vince Sports, V-I-N-C-E Sports. And then the show is in the cage MMA radio. It's uh, it airs every Thursday night, eight to nine p.m. in Knoxville on ninety nine point one, the Sports Animal. It's also on the AM nine ninety frequency as well. You can live stream it ninety nine one thesportsanimal.com is a website to listen online. You could also get the free WNML app or just search for the Sports Animal. And you can listen to it there, you know, wherever you're at. And then also we put the podcast up after shortly after the show. And um, and so you can subscribe on all the, you know, the platforms where you get your podcast uh, and uh, and get that and make sure you never miss a show. So Tim brings 
awesome inside analysis. Very thankful to have him as co-host on, on the show. Um, you know, just so much expertise on, on the sport and knowledge, not only on the local fighters, cause we'll talk about their fighting challenge, but you know, that, that connection from the, from the regional to the national shows and, and then breaking down all the UFC shows from the week before and looking ahead as well. And sometimes we'll get topics and, you know, interviews with UFC fighters and had Mark Ramondi from ESPN on last week. And he's on, uh, to, on this week's show as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, Really, really fun stuff, and um, and again, great to be on with you guys. Yeah, folks, make sure you go to this archives and check out that two-part uh, Mark Ramondi interview that we've got because uh, that's some real good stuff from uh, one of ESPN's lead uh, lead beat writers there on MMA. Uh, Vince, appreciate the time, my man. It's uh, it's always a pleasure, and uh, we're looking forward to having you back here real soon. All right, Tim, Justin, you guys be good. Thanks for having me. Take care. Later, later brother. All right, that was Vince Ferrara, our uh, our, our our analyst on our all of the VFC uh, pay per views that we do. Um, you can you can catch him also on the Sports Animal Radio uh, ninety nine point one. He, he covers all the UT football and and all that good stuff. Always a, a pleasure, and uh, yeah, Vince always the the consummate professional, Justin. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Vince is Vince is the standard. Of course, that leaves us one more piece of business to attend to before we wrap this bitch up, and that is a look ahead at this week's action. Of course, we have uh, we have tonight's Bellator 250. Uh, we, I'm kind of kind of digging this Thursday night uh, Bellator uh, schedule they've been giving us. It's Bellator 250, Gegard Masasi taking on Diego Lima, and um, that is going to be for that middleweight title. It's vacant. Musasi um, a favorite of minus 170. With uh, Lima coming back, it looks like at about plus one forty, give or take. I like Masasi here, man, and, the, and the, it looks like the money's coming in on 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 Lima, and the odds are now down to about minus one sixty on Masasi. I think he's uh, he's just the bigger hitter if this thing stays standing. I think Masasi knocks him out late. Your uh, your take? Uh, I actually like Lima in this one. Uh, just think that I think Masasi's underrated. First off, I think that he's one of the best fighters that on planet earth, but um, he's been around for so long. He's been in every organization you can think of. He's fought, you know, all the top guys and um, he is getting up there in age a little bit. And Douglas is, is just on a tear right now. And uh, I think he's dangerous. I actually didn't even, it's, that's not, Oh, oh yes. This, this it is, is it's not Diego. I said Diego. I apologize. This is oh, Douglas. Yeah. yeah I man. apologize. Yeah. And so, um, this will this will give uh, Douglas two belts, you know. Musasi it gives Musasi an opportunity to get his belt back. He lost it um, to uh, oh, what's his name, the jiu-jitsu guy in their last fight. Um, but uh, um, uh, oh shit, man! Uh, you were talking about we're talking about Musasi, right? Yeah, Rafael. Was it uh, Cavallo? No. Uh, ah. I can't think of it right now, but anyway. Oh, Lovato. Javier Lovato. No, he beat Machida last time. Oh, Gegard beat Machida? Gegard beat Machida. uh, uh, But then he did have a loss to Lovato before that. Yeah. But that was... Was was the Machida fight for a title? Lovato took his title. So I think... I was thinking this is the first title fight since Lovato took Musasi's title. I don't think that that was for a title against uh, Machida. I think it was just a fight. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Lovato uh, gave the title up after beating Musasi, but it hasn't been 
uh, a new ch- a new champion established since Lovato left. So this will be uh, to reinstate a champion there. So I think it's a good fight, though, man. Um, I'm looking forward to to that. Like you say, the kind of midweek uh, little action. Tell you the truth, man. Uh, Vince and I was talking about this on our show. I think I might like this Bellator card a little better just from – not just saying it just has better fighters top to bottom, but I think it's just more kind of interesting uh, as far as just like some novelty here is some things that are interesting. Henry Corrales in the co-main event against Brandon Gertz, who drops to 145 for the first time. That could be interesting. Uh, and then the other main card fight, Veda Ortega takes on Desiree Yanez. That fight's near a pick The prelims, though, have – this is a pretty damn good Bellator prelims card. Uh, Jake Hager, uh, 2-0, the Jack Swagger in the WWE and AEW now. He takes on uh, Brandon Calton from up the road. Uh, originally, uh, that was Billy Swanson uh, angling to be in that spot. They ha- gave him a date, and they led him along for several months, and then Hager decided – he didn't. He wanted other options, and so uh, Brandon Calton. It is. Uh, I think Hager will be the decided favorite here, fairly heavily uh, against Calton out of that Southwest Virginia area. Uh, also on this card, uh, another two guys that are two of those Bellator prospects, Ty Gorder and Dalton Rasta. You got uh, Sabah Hamasi coming off a big win. He's fairly heavy favorite over Bobby Volker. Uh, Nick Newell on the card. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy up in that Connecticut region. It's very popular. He's taking on the Hawaiian Zach. Zane, uh, Taylor Johnson coming off that win over Ed Ruth. is a, He's got a pretty good star behind him right now, but he's taken on defeated uh, wrestler Johnny Eblen, who is a very, very decorated uh, wrestler from the Midwest, a 6-0. And I kind of like me some Johnny Eblen as dog money right here over uh, Taylor Johnson, who I think is getting a little bit of hype off of that last win, which was a great win. But uh, Eblen's just got that style to, to maybe grind out a win here. Adam Boritz, 15-1 and one on the undercard, taking on Eric Sanchez. And then here's if, – if you have the opportunity to get on this next fight before the odds go crazy, Cody Law making his debut – uh, here in Bellator, a very highly decorated wrestler, a Division II national champion. He's a stud. They've been trying to get his uh, his debut with us, actually, for a while, and nobody will fight the guy. He is uh, signed to Bellator now, making his debut against a fellow named Orlando Ortega, who is nothing of note. He's also making his pro debut. But Cody Law opens it um, minus 210 is like what I've I found him at minus 210 at a few places. It's starting to go get away. It's starting to get up towards 300 in other places. That's like a lock. That's like free money. This is a mismatch. Uh, Ortega was a three and three amateur that fought as low as 125. Cody Law is a uh, decorated national championship level wrestler that's fought at 155, fighting this fight at 145. That's a smash spot. If you can get Cody Law anywhere from like minus 210 to like freaking minus 280, 300, it's just do it. It's, it's not. It's not in question. Uh, anything on this undercard look good to you, Justin? Uh, everything that you said, I, I like. The only thing that uh, I didn't hear you mention was Jared Scoggins making his um, Bellator debut. He said he uh, missed weight. That's off. He missed weight? Oh, really? Jared Scoggins, Toby Misek is off. Uh, Misek missed weight today. Oh, Misek missed weight. Okay. <laughs> wow, that sucks. Um, I was looking forward to that one. But, yeah, seeing Nick Newell back, Adam Bork, um, I like the Volcar uh, and Hamasi fight, um, and I, I'd like to see Jake Hager get beat, but you know they're just kind of spoon feeding him right now, and uh, this this will probably just be a walk in the park for him. Moving on to this weekend's UFC card, it's UFC Fight Night back in Vegas. 
Um, so I guess be ready for more COVID cancellations more than usual. Um, we're going to run through this pretty quick. It's not the best card. Um, main event, Uriah Hall takes on the retiring Anderson Silva. I don't like guys that are, I don't like to, to risk guys that are going into the retirement fight. And it's like a known thing. Uh, so I'm on Uriah Hall here. I don't like the odds. Uriah Hall is a uh, fairly decent favorite here. Looks like he's uh, about minus 230, give or take. Uh, over Silva, it's hard to trust Hall with your money because he can, you know, he, Andre or not Uriah Hall is capable of beating just about anyone in the UFC on the right night. He's capable of losing to anyone in the UFC on the wrong night. And Silva's just, uh, you know, obviously he's shop worn. A lot of people think he's done. He's taken some tough losses. His legs are shot, you know, but. Um, it's still tough to trust Uriah Hall just to have the proper fight IQ over a five round fight. I'm going to pick Uriah Hall, but I don't see me really wanting to lay over 200 on him. Yeah, it's hard to to risk a high uh, high bet on him because of that. You know, I think that the, there's a, a big possibility that he could get in there and and get starstruck in front of Anderson Silva. Um, I totally expect. A highlight real knockout from Uriah Hall, but you know, I, I just know that there's the possibility that he's going to get in there and get get stuck, and um, Anderson, you know, just kind of pieces him up. Um, but I just think that Anderson, like you say, I mean, it's it's definitely past past the years of of the spider, um, and Uriah Hall was the guy coming in, you know, that was supposed to be the next Anderson Silva, and he's changed a lot of stuff up over the last couple of years. He's been you know, basically living out of Fortis in May for the last little while through this COVID thing and um, really buckling down. And I think the guy's got all the talent in the world. If he can pull all that together in the same night, like you say, he can beat anybody in the world. Um, and But Anderson's just one of those guys, you know, even though he is old and past his prime, he still has had the closest fight in recent memory with Adesanya, for instance, you know. And, uh, he's, he's got the IQ and, and the, the experience to be able to, to stay in there with these guys um, who, you know, are, are technically should be superior uh, in, in superior shape and, and uh, you know, in, in the prime of their career. But um, I like Uriah Hall, but, but not at – I'm seeing him at minus 230, minus 250, uh, and I'm, I won't be, won't be playing that too hard. Co-main event is the fight that I'm looking forward to the most. It's a tough one to call, man. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, 13 and 0, taking on Andre Touchy Feely. It's a featherweight fight. And, uh, you know, Mitchell is a, a guy that's got a lot of hype behind him coming in. He got his camo shorts. He requests the camo, uh, custom shorts and he got them. Like nobody else is kind of calling those shots. Uh, very marketable guy. I think he's the guy that the UFC probably wants to see win. I'd like to see him win too. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a fan, but this is a tough one, man. This is a step up. It's Andre Feely, who is, uh, you know, from Team Alpha Male, and he's going to be well-trained coming into this thing. He's uh, he's fought some tough dudes. However, he hasn't been fighting guys that are really strong grapplers here as of late. He hasn't really been having to fight guys that are really going to be uh, spamming those takedowns and going, going for the submissions like Bryce. So this is a really hard fight to call for me. I – I, I, my heart says Bryce Mitchell here, but it, I worry if he isn't able to get the takedowns, he could be really outclassed on the feet here by Feely. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with Feely at plus money. It's uh, Bryce Mitchell is the uh, the Oso slight favorite. He he's was uh, in the realm of about 140 to 150 with uh, Feely coming back about plus 125, give or take. I'm going to take a slight roll on Feely and still kind of be rooting for Mitchell. 
Yeah, I love this fight. Um, I like both guys. You know, it wasn't that long ago Max Holloway said that his toughest fight to date was Andre Feely. You know, that was not long before the Volkanovski fights. Um, and so, you know, he's going to be he's going to be tough in there, especially while they're on their feet. I think that if it does get to the ground, Bryce is just so smooth and so fluid um, that, that he's just going to just float all over the place and, and get a finish uh, kind of wherever he wants to go on the floor. Um and I, I think that he's tough enough, and I think that, you know, I think he's probably just going to go in there and almost look similar to what we saw with Khabib um, this weekend with Gaethje, just go just throw shots just to get in close, and uh, once he gets a hold of Philly, you know, be able to take him down. But if, if Philly's able to, to keep the the keep him at a distance and, and throw it off the takedown um, and keep it standing up, you know, and, and slow the pace down a little bit, um, and and pick his shots. I think it, it could be a tough night for Bryce, um, but I, I'm pretty confident in in Bryce in this fight. I just think that he's, he's going to be able to dictate where it goes, and and he's too too superior in that realm uh, for it to be a close fight. Rounding out the main card, not a terrible main card. It's when we get off the main cards that things start to get rough. It's uh, Mock or Mahmoud Muradov. He's money team. That's a Floyd Mayweather dude. He's a uh, he's a uh, got some hype behind him. Originally supposed to fight Christoph Jotko. Jotko's out, and now Kevin Holland steps in. We've seen a lot of Kevin Holland here this year. Stayed pretty busy, uh, coming off of uh, the the win over Darren Stewart, and then before that with a big knockout over Joaquin Buckley, who's ended up being you know, hit a big knockout of his own, uh, you know, uh, about three or four weeks later. Uh, Kevin Holland in a slight favorite here. Uh, looks like he is minus 140. Uh, Murdoff coming back plus 120. I like the favorite Kevin Holland here. The the, the, the length and reach advantage, I think. Uh, he's so good, so good at using. Uh, Greg Hardy uh, takes on Maurice Green, heavyweights. Uh, Hardy, pretty big favorite, minus 330. Green back about two plus, set, uh, plus 270, give or take. I like Hardy here. I don't see how Green wins. I, you know, he's not really a big power puncher. I don't know that he's got the wrestling to get Greg Hardy down. Um, I don't think he's got the cardio to outlast Greg Hardy. Uh, Greg Hardy's just been in there, you know, with Volkov and went the rounds with him, you know. So uh, Green, I don't really like at all here. I, I've never really been a big Maurice Green fan. I think he's a big guy and he's presents some some issues with his dimensions. But I think Greg Hardy is the play here. And then routing out the main card, it's Bobby Green <laughs> taking on Tiago Moise. I like Bobby Green, man. It's uh, he's been a guy that uh, he's been cashing for us pretty good as of late, and he's another solid favorite. Minus three ten, Moisey's coming back plus two fifty. So uh, in these three, man, I got to say I like all three favorites. Yeah, I, I wish Maurice Green was better, man. I really wish that I could uh, get behind him this weekend and and see him put a hurting on Greg Hardy. I've been waiting for somebody to do it for a long time, but. Don't see how he does it. Um, yeah, just don't don't think Maurice Green's the guy that's going to be able to do it. Unfortunately, um, I don't know, man. I I just I don't think he's he's UFC caliber, and um, he's just one of those guys that they keep. You know, the heavyweight division is so shallow that that they have these guys like Maurice Green, who would, you know, if uh, somebody on that level in the lightweight division would never see the light of the UFC. You know, that that would never. But because heavyweight is so thin, um, you know, he's done to be that great to, to compete there, I guess. But um, Bobby Green, he's like you said, he's been on a roll. He's 3-0 and this year, uh, looking to make it 4-0. But Tiago Moises is, is 
very, very dangerous on the ground. Bobby Green is going to go in there trying to slug, but ultimately he's going to be shooting for the takedown. And um, if he's not careful, I think Moises could could lock him up uh, and get an upset in that one. Um, but I think Bobby Green's come a long way over the year and, and over the years, and his his uh, maturity and and mentality has has grown a lot. Um, so. You know, if he, if he can get by Tiago Moises, I see a big step up for Bobby Green um, moving forward. Um, and and I like Kevin Holland in this fight, man. I like Kevin Holland against most most middleweights out there right now. Um, you know, he's a guy that's, like you said, tall as hell. But I think, you know, he doesn't even really cut weight to get to middleweight. So he's full of energy. He can go all night. And um, he's fun to watch. So I uh, look forward to seeing that one. Run down the undercard super quick here. Uh, these are uh, a lot of prospects, not a, not a whole lot of uh, veterans here. We got uh, Alexander Hernandez, who has tumbled out of the rankings, getting a, a pick-me-up fight, if you will, against Chris Gritzmacher. We've got Adrian uh, Yanez, who's coming off a contender series knockout in 38 seconds, gets a late replacement for Aaron Phillips and Victor Rodriguez from the Alaska scene. That's a fade. Uh, Sean Strickland takes on Jack Marshman. He was uh, originally supposed to take on Wellington Terman, and he gets a much easier assignment here with Marshman after uh, being out for a little bit. Cole Williams, Jason Witt, who the freak knows about these two guys. I, I don't think these guys are either uh, either one very you know reliable. Uh, we've got Dustin Jacoby, who came back uh, to the UFC after hiatus doing the kickboxing thing in glory. And he gets Justin Ledette, who I believe they're feeding to Jacoby, make him look good. Courtney Casey against Priscilla Cachuera. Cachuera is pretty bad. Uh, I guess I got to go with Courtney. And then uh, opening it up, it's Kevin Nativi Dodd, Miles Johns, little LFA alumni matchup to kick things off. Yeah, I think there's a lot of wide uh, margins on this undercard. Um, so I, I look for a lot of finishes. Um, definitely, I, I see a, a finish in, in the Jacoby fight. Uh, Sean Strickland, I think, has got a, a good chance for a finish. Um, I think the, the maybe one of the more competitive fights of the night would will probably be uh, Natavi Dodd and, and Miles John. Yeah, I like that fight. That's a fight that I actually kind of uh, kind of like the underdog a little bit on uh, Nativi Dodd, but there's not many underdogs that I like here, unfortunately. So it looks like a bunch of parlays for me. And uh, honestly, probably not playing a whole lot of these. It used to be in Halloween night and stuff. I'm probably not playing a whole lot of these on the books. I'll probably have some lineups in for uh, FanDuel and DraftKings, but uh, I'm going to be out doing the Halloween thing and uh, catching most of this uh, on uh, replay. How about yourself? Yeah, it's, uh, that's the plan. We uh, got to figure out what's going on in this area as far as trunk or treats or something like that. But uh, but yeah, we'll probably just be out doing that all night. I'm not going to be be too too laser focused in on this. Yeah, not a not a fight card that is uh, to me is must see. And honestly, I kind of appreciate it. So I don't really feel like I'll be out doing Halloween and like distracted and shit you know uh that's gonna do it for our preview of this week's action we'll be back next week with uh fight week man it'll be uh time for picks panel and preview for valor 75 so we're gonna get a uh a breakdown and uh and predictions from our picks panel as well as a recap of uh, the action from this weekend and justin you get ready for your first time behind the uh behind the broadcast booth uh before we get vince back in uh december you'll be sitting in on commentary for this one yeah man i'm looking forward to it definitely uh be a change of scenery something different for me and uh 
you know, I like to like like getting involved in in every aspect I can and and learning new stuff. So it'll be fun. Yeah, man, and uh, I, you'll be uh, paying a little bit more attention than usual probably on uh, Pix panel this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I will be. Uh, I have to gotta get my research search in on these guys, you know, a little more than I, I normally do. Uh, just judging the fight too, so it'll be be a totally different night for me for sure. We appreciate all three of our guests for joining us earlier. Uh, of course, Gary Sharp, Julian Goins, and CJ Baker ahead of their title fights, all three of them next weekend at Valor 75. Also, thanks so much to Vince Ferrara for joining us to break down UFC 254. And thank you for tuning in. Once again, make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast at all of your uh, listening outlets, uh, be it uh, Spotify, iTunes, all those good spots. And uh, check out our social media page on Facebook. Give it a like. And uh, Justin, I guess we will uh, rendezvous again next week. All right, man. See you then. All right. Thanks a lot for uh, tuning in to the Valor Hour. Till next week, I'm your host, Tim Lloyd, signing out. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. 30 fighters who are no longer under contract. That is the key word here. No longer under contract. I really want to start off by kind of how people reacted to this news. First off, I never said the fighters were cut. I never said they were released. And I saw a lot of people noting that. If you, if you read my tweet, you'll, you'll see right at the beginning that I say the following fighters are no longer under contract with Bellator. And one of uh, my fellow MMA reporting people out there, someone who I've never had a conversation with, don't know him uh, at all, is Cole Shelton of, of uh, BJPen.com. And he uh, he quoted my tweet on this, and he said, some clarification on this. I have texted several people on this list, and they have specified technically they are no longer under contract with Bellator as they fought out their contract. However, they are negotiating resigns. So none of these fighters have been cut. Daniel, I simply responded to Cole, which, by the way, he did not respond to my tweet, not shocked, going, and I, I said, my reporting is the fires are no longer under contract with Bellator at this time. I did not say anything about them being cut. And, and there's certain pet peeves I have about when you report something. Don't put words in my mouth, bro. I never said yeah. they were cut. When you see fans complain about the MMA media, it's this type of stuff, man. Like, And it's just like, I saw that, and Daniel, it pissed me off. Like, I'm sitting there going, I never said cut. I never said release. Why are you putting words into my mouth? Yeah, it's like, it's like, dude, you only have like eight words before you write the list of the fighters. And the eight words are the following fighters are no longer under contract. Like, where where does it say they were released? Where, you, you really think Bellator released, you know, this large amount of guys at once? Like, Scott Coker doesn't have... That many minutes on his phone plan. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.